Hey, welcome back to Table Talk, everybody, your healthy theological radio addiction. I'm Brent Kuhlman here with Adam Moline. We're looking at John 1, and especially John 1, 14 during this Christmas season. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. I was talking about how in the ancient world, you know, no religion had what John teaches here in John 1, 14. And I, even to this day, no religion outside of Christianity has this. Oh. Uh, and and, and in, I would even argue that a lot of Christianity that has been uh, damaged theologically, would teach that the entire goal of your existence is to become God. Uh, that's the entire Roman Catholic way. That's the entire Eastern Orthodox way. It's this continuum where you escape your humanity so that you can actually be like God. It's called theosis yep. in Eastern Orthodoxy. It's got it all reversed. Uh, for salvation, God becomes man. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm kind of concerned about how even Lutherans, Missouri Synod Lutherans, uh, even though Athanasius is to be applauded and praised, humanly speaking, for all of his confession of Jesus as being God. Athanasius fell into this Neoplatonic philosophical framework, and, and it's even in one of our collects uh, during the church year. I think it might be the Ascension Collect. I'm just doing this off the top of my head, but it even has that in there that we might become God. It's that Athanasian. In other words, here's what Athanasius says. God became man so that we can become God. Hmm. Or like God, something like that. Doing off the top of my head. And that kind of that just gets it backwards. But here, the word became flesh because that's what we are. That's my point. The word became flesh because that's what we are. We're flesh. And we can try to evade and avoid our flesh and all the implications of our humanity and pretend to be spiritual. That's the big talk, you know, still to this day, with our false pieties. Yet the word took on flesh, the text says. Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, begotten of the Father from all eternity, he took on our humanity. What's our problem? We strive to be more than what? Than, than human. Exactly. We, we want to be God. I, I, the Mark Twain quote, um, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and made man, and ever since, uh, made man in his image, and ever since, man's been trying to return the favor. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, you remember Nietzsche. Uh, Nietzsche uh, talked about the ubermensch, the superman. So, yeah, this is all part of this. The, it's the Genesis 3 problem. You shall be as God. Or the language, the Marvel language today, is we try to escape our humanity by trying to be supermen and superwomen. So all I see advertised now is WW84, is Wonder Woman 84. Yeah, I can't watch Wonder Woman after the uh, <laughs> the, well, yeah. The first movie, doesn't she jump up and destroy a church and then stand in place of the cross that was on the steeple? Yeah, you've mentioned that. Yes. That that has a very symbolic message. It does. But back to my point, and I'm not making it very well, so have mercy on me, is that we strive to be more than humans, supermen, superwomen. And what, what does the text teach? That God deigns to become a baby, content to play on the lap of his mother and gaze into the eyes of the wandering shepherds. So we are human beings. We are sons and daughters of Adam, and the Son of God became human to be what we are and to be what we are without sin, which is a very important distinction that we have to make. And he does this to save us from our sins, as Matthew one twenty one teaches. You will give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now, pushing this further, if I may, you may. What, what does it mean for us that, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us? Well, it also means that uh, Jesus came to be with us to be under the law, the Ten Commandments. 
the law, the Ten Commandments, that does, doesn't save us, but rather the Ten Commandments, the law condemns us, it shuts our mouths. I've got Romans going on in my head here. Yep. Uh, uh, shuts up our mouths. It, it wells up in terror at the judgment of God against our rebelliousness, against our old Adam, our old original sin. And yet this Jesus, the word became flesh. He comes not to judge us, but to save us, not to take us captive, but rather to set us free, not to bring more rules for us to follow, but rather Jesus comes, he takes on flesh to fulfill the law of God, to overflowing, (laughs) if I can talk that way, with himself. And so this is how Jesus comes to save sinners. He keeps the law perfectly, actively. He keeps all the commandments perfectly, actively for us. And passively. And passively in what sense? Say it. Well, I mean, um, even in the sense that, yes, there's things we do that keep the law, but sometimes there's things that um, just happen that we we kind of violate the law. And, And Jesus is able to fulfill it in both ways, actively doing what it says and also passively submitting to the things that uh, it says as well. Good, and there's more I'll add to that, passive obedience of Christ. So actively, he keeps the commandments perfectly in our place as a true human being, the way Adam did before he fell into sin. And then passively, when he passively on the cross bears the sin of the world in his body and gets damned with it. The law actually bears its teeth on him as he bears the sin of the world. And so he who knew no sin was made to be sin. And that's why Paul says in Galatians 3 that he became a curse for us. So actively and then passively. And that's why the word becomes flesh and dwells among us to save us. Let me add something else to this, if I may. Uh, We've all heard this language, to err is human. (laughs) And everybody believes it. Everybody believes it. Ask ask your friends, folks. To err is human, right? And they'll say, yeah, that's right. In other words, that that little phrase means that the essence of being a human being is to err or to sin. And I've got news for you. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible doesn't teach to err is human. I would, I would submit it this way, to err is to be unhuman, to be inhuman. So Jesus comes, the word becomes flesh and dwells among us. And Jesus, human being, a male human being without sin, actually then reveals to us what it means to be a human being. It means to be sinless. <laughs> to worship God, yeah. to rejoice in his word, to serve the people around you to do the things we pray in the post-communion collect, you know, faith towards God and fervent love towards one another. Right. So if, if I can twist the phrase, with our Lord Jesus Christ and his birth and his life, etc., um, to be a human being is not to err. And this is, this is why um, one of the Christmas Day epistle readings is Titus 3, in which he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, he redeems and restores our fallen humanity by actively and passively with the law, as yeah. I just thought. And so now, through faith in him, he gives us all of his holiness, his righteousness, his perfection, so that now our humanity is restored, which means, as you just said, now we know what it means to be a human being again, to live before God by faith, passively, and then to live before others in the world actively in love, self-sacrificial love 
for the sake of other people. An example of that would be Romans 12. Or to piggyback on the Matthew 20, 28, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Now, we don't give our lives to ransom or to save people, but in the same way, we like Jesus, we're, we, we are a Christ, as, as Luther says in one of his grand writings, The Freedom of a Christian. We are like Christ in the sense that we live sacrificially for the sake of others, giving our life for the sake of helping other people. Uh, and this is uh, matching up with what it says in Ephesians also, where husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, washing her and purifying and cleansing her. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what we're doing, in a sense, for all the people around us. We're to sacrifice to take care of them because the ultimate true sacrifice in Christ has done that for us already. So if you want to know what it means to be a true human being, a creature, <laughs> you look to Christ faith. He fully trusted his father. He fully trusted his father's word like Adam did in the beginning before the fall. And so now Jesus is the second Adam, redeems and restores what Adam lost. So he's the head of a new humanity and that new humanity is faith toward God and love towards others. That's what it means to be a human being. This is God's good use of of us in this world. It is. Yeah. So that's helpful for people. Now there's something else that John 1.14 says that we beheld his glory Oh, that's rich, isn't it? We beheld his glory as, uh, as the one and only son of the father, full of grace and truth. I know we're coming to a conclusion here, so I'll just make some concluding remarks here. Uh, John wasn't at Bethlehem. No. Okay. I was going to say, that's what's the glory? That's the really key thing <laughs> yeah. in John's gospel. Yeah, so John wasn't at Bethlehem, and, and uh, he came to know and to follow Jesus much later. But John was an eyewitness to our Lord's transfiguration, where the word in flesh was glorified with Moses and Elijah. Remember, they were there on the mountain. It was John who heard the voice, the Father's voice, declare Jesus to be his son. John was there at the foot of the cross to see the word made flesh die in darkness. (laughs) And John was, uh, yeah, this is correct. I'm, I'm right on this. John was one of the first to see the open and the empty tomb of our Lord Jesus Christ. The point is, is that John, the evangelist and the apostle, he beheld, he saw Christ's glory enveloped in our humanity. <laughs> and we celebrated Good Friday and Easter. I mean, that's, that's the glory that he sees. The glory of Jesus is on the cross. That's why we hang crucifixes everywhere is because that's what's showing, revealing to us here and now, the glory of God to save us from our sins. Yeah. And in that then, so in Jesus then, the word made flesh, then our humanity is now glorified. Oh, that's huge. So the image of God, which was marred and tainted by Adam's sin, is now restored again. Ah, And so we are fully ourselves. I'm not saying this very well, so just have mercy on me. We are fully ourselves in Christ through faith in him because Jesus is fully us without sin. So this is the Lamb of God. Uh, This is the Lamb of God's provision, if you will. Uh, The substitute sacrifice. He gets baptized for us. He is obedient for us. He lives for us. He dies for us. He rises for us. And all the while, he takes us along with him for the ride in his humanity, all the way to his glory at the right hand of the Father. So as the Bible teaches, in him you were crucified. Mm-hmm. Paul teaches this, Galatians 2. We've been raised with him, Ephesians 2. 
And we are even glorified with him, Ephesians 2. We, we are seated with him in the heavenly realms. That's what I'm talking about when I said that the word made flesh in him, our humanity is now glorified. And this is all pictured then in the Revelation to St. John, written by the same guy, where he sees Jesus in heaven as a lamb who had been slain and is yet still alive. And then also Revelation 7, when he sees the uh, the view of all the people from all tribes and nations and peoples standing before the lamb and before his throne, serving and worshiping him, as he also then wipes away all the tears from their eyes and cares and, and loves them as well. And that then is what really being a Christian is all about. That's where we find our fullness of who we are is in that picture of us already in heaven. Let me, let me conclude because I know we're running out of time. Just let me make one more point and then we'll say goodbye to everybody. So because geez, there's no need for us then to go to Bethlehem, except if you want to take a, a nice trip to go there as a tourist, you can do that. But you won't find the flesh of Christ in Bethlehem. No. Nope. <laughs> you won't find the word made flesh there. Only the remnants of that wondrous day when he was born are there. You know, like, well, this is the place where he was born, etc. But don't despair, folks. You are not sent to a manger. Uh, he is mangered for you in his word and in his sacrament. Swaddled, if I can use the language of the Bible, he's swaddled in water and word, bread and wine. And there you are to find him. There you are to seek him because that's where he promises to be God, the word made flesh for you. And there he will find you and he will embrace you with a promise. For example, Lord's Supper, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. This is why the word was made flesh. I hope that was helpful. Stay Lutheran, my friends. Well, tell